Good evening, friend. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? It's fantastic. It's another good night here in the world of happiness and party time. <laughs> Summertime, and I love it. I love it. We, we've had, nice. uh, I hate that we seem to open up with weather a lot, but it's just, I love the weather. I mean, sometimes mm. in Indiana, as longtime listener of the show will know that we hate winters and how oppressive and depressive it is. But man, having nice summers is amazing. I, I know you could go to like Florida and some of the further south places and they're hot and humid and Indiana sometimes is like that. But, you know, we have had at least here lots of rain. But just been cool and nice in the evenings and yeah, tons of rain. 65. My my sister actually went kayaking in some rapids, which oh. they were. I don't know if it was like prohibited. Obviously, they did it, so mm-hmm. it must not have been prohibited very hard. Maybe just discouraged. Right. And uh, like went capsized and lost her phone in the river, and all this was kind of a yikes rough but it's like yeah everything the water is all high because we've gotten so much rain uh in the i mean really it, it's it's gotten so much rain when i was in new york it was um it was fine there was not a lot of rain but every time i text back home people were like it's raining all day it's raining and then i'd look at the the weather and it was like raining all week long and then this week it's gotten rain every week and every time in the mornings when i ask ask alexa what it's going to be like for the weather She's always like, it might rain today, and it does. It's got, <laughs> but it's weird. Our, our rain for the last several weeks have been like downpours, dark gray clouds that come through, like black mm, clouds, and yeah. just dump a ton of water, and then sunshine an hour later. And that's so, unusual for this region. I know when I used to commute or walk to work or things where I'd go outside on a regular basis, um, I would notice, or especially if I had to drive a lot, um, I would notice that in the spring and the fall, we'd have these periods of like it felt like several solid days of just gray drizzle um yep and obviously we do get thunderstorms and and that kind of thing but yeah uh yeah it's less common but it's 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 just notable i guess that's why i'm talking about on the show it's it's been very notable that it's been so much rain now it's a real pain in the butt for people who mow the lawns like myself i gotta find that window of uh yeah dry when has your when when has your um uh, lawn drained enough so that your mower doesn't rip it up and oh yeah because yeah. you're doing riding mower stuff yeah i'm a riding mower now so it's like a mudding sometimes when i go through the yard the other day when i was going through it's kind of like it you can see on the treads of the tire the it's mud you know wet water mud yeah. and it's like oh man this is not good so uh yeah but anyway it's i i've enjoyed it i spent last weekend doing some potting of my plants i have okay only a few plants in the house but they've all outgrown their pots. So I bought a bigger one for the big one and then kind of, you know, traded it down to, down the line. Sure, and then sure. I had a bunch of little ones that hand, um, hand me down like kids. Yes, exactly. And then I had some, some plants that a friend had given me and sorry, uh, kids clothes. That wasn't kids clear. clothes, right? Not kids pots, right? You don't hand me down pot to kids, right? No, I mean, it's once it's smoked, <laughs> it's done. What do you once do? It's no good anymore. Uh, there, well, there is a hand. It's a pass meal, pass along, not a hand me down, right? Mm, right, pass it. Right, right. Quit uh, But anyway, the the I, I got a couple pots, and I got the, I got the pot pot plants, and that it just it only took like a couple hours on Sunday or something, but it was nice because it was so nice outside, and set them out on the back deck, and you know let them enjoy the sun on their new pots, and it's like plant party out there. Nice. So 
Yeah. Really. Did you get to the house at all this last week? Yeah, I went over a couple times, and I'm doing uh, still with the same trim, but I've gotten to a point where some of that trim has started to go up on the walls, finally. Mm. Um, trim is a pain in the butt. It's Ugh. it's tedious. There's a lot to it. Fortunately, it's painted, so all of the places where it doesn't fit together, um, I'll be able to uh, cover up and fill in. But yeah, it's the old trim that I stripped all the paint off of, sanded. Wow and puttied that's and a lot of work painted it's the kind of thing that i don't mind doing because as opposed to like plumbing or electrical it's fairly safe the house is not going to burn down or uh, <laughs> flood right. because i made a mistake with trim um yep. and it's um it's something that's routine it's something i know how to do i'm like oh okay i have to sand all of these so i'll put i got some really nice um 3m bluetooth uh, noise protection headphones. Okay. Recently, and they're, you know, they block out enough sound that I can still listen to stuff with my mower going, or if I'm running a sander or whatever. And so I'll just put on an audiobook. Like I said last week, I finished listening to Stephen King's The Stand. Audiobook mm. is like thirty plus, almost forty hours long, and or catch up on podcasts, any of that kind of stuff so i don't mind doing that kind of work and i feel eventually some sense of accomplishment for it but uh, yeah see i've got my whole house is a, a wood trim an old wood trim and i've slowly been doing it and i'm still i'm only about halfway mm -hmm. done in the house and it's just it's just kind of so much to, to do it's a lot more than you think i would prefer to to buy new trim but that it gets so expensive for these days it's so crazy yeah. that trim is trim like a wood trim is so and then you have to i'm not understanding how you would cut properly and get i would get the corners mixed up mm, so it's not mm -hmm. eh. but anyway yeah i get the trim thing i don't i don't i'm not jealous of you for that to do that stuff. but you're <laughs> right if you do a whole lot you can just you know do it all at once yeah you just got a whole stack of boards and i'm like okay well i have to sand i have to do each step you know strip the paint off run i've got a brush sander to get the bits of paint and whatever off and mm. then sand it then put putty in it then sand it again then prime it, then paint it, then put another coat of paint on it. Man, you're going to put this thing up for sale and you're going to hate it because you because you're going to be like, I feel this should be a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like all the, the tension to every little bit that you put in and every little spot, it's yours in every little sense of the word, right? Yeah. You, you've it's, touched everything in that place. It's always been a, you know, a kind of challenge struggle for me and my in this area of things, I tend to be a perfectionist, or at least I notice little things a lot. And mm -hmm. some of them I don't as much as I think that I do. I'll go to a place, you know, my brother-in-law's place, or, or go to Trotsky's or something, and I'll see. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see where the nails are on this drywall. Like, it wasn't sanded very well, and I never noticed it before. Mm -hmm. I've been here, you know, dozens of times. Um, yeah. But when I'm doing it on my own house, I'm like, uh, people are going to see those lines. Look how obvious those lines are. And dad will be like, <laughs> what what lines are you talking about? Um, right. Yeah, that, that is something like I, I when I had done things that I noticed so much and I know nobody else does. And sometimes I've got to let myself just let things go and realize that, you know, if I go into somebody else's house, it I could if I really look, I could notice an imperfection. Yeah. But. 
I've been there, like you said, at Trotsky's, for example, for years, and I never noticed things. Mm -hmm. Why would I ever notice them now unless I specifically need to? Right, um, right. Because it's totally, again, not that Mike's house is anything not, but nice, but th that being said, there's something about like having professionals do it, and all of a sudden a professional comes in, and then it just looks amazing, and you're like, what did they do different to make it perfect? <laughs> well, some of that's just the the nature of of being a professional at a thing, right? Like mm -hmm. you or I might paint in a house, you know, if, if an average person owns a house might paint in that house 20 times over the course of their life. And that's a generous right. estimate right. where you hire a painter. They are painting every day. Yeah. He's painting right? 20 times in, in, in a month. In the first, in the first month of him doing that job, he's gained more experience than you will in your whole life. Yes, exactly. Uh, You're totally right. And and for example, the drywall thing. I mean, he puts the drywalls up constantly all the time. He knows exactly how it feels after 500 times to smooth it out just right, right. and how the tape should be. Right. And yeah. Yeah. So that there's there's a lot to be said. So every time I think about paying somebody else to do something, I, I kind of have that in mind. It's like, you know what? They're going to do it better and it's going to cost me, but they're going to do it better and quicker and have the things. And there's a, there's a lot to be said about doing it yourself mm -hmm. and then having somebody else do it just you know depends on the i on your i grew up i grew up with uh my dad was was you know he grew up poor let's just say mm -hmm. that simply and so when he and my mom got married they were like 20 and mm -hmm. had three kids within the first five years that they were married and so my dad was always the and he's also very um uh, like almost workaholic in his, okay. just in his personality. And so he did everything himself, like every single step, every piece, because it's cheaper. You save the money yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, And he's getting to the point now they're almost uh, next year. They're going to no this year, this fall, they're both going to be 60. Um, And he's getting to the point where he's going, okay, we can do this part. We can hang the drywall, but let's hire somebody to do what, what they call the mud, the joint compound. Yeah. Um, because that's the that's the detail work. Like, yeah, hanging it is just mechanical. You follow these steps. There's no like, there's no talent required or artistry to it. There's no artistry to it. Yeah. Um, and so just separating out like. What things we can do that'll be fine. What things we want to hire somebody to do. We had a guy working for us for a while who did a bunch of the electrical stuff crawling around in the attic and all of that that I don't know how to do. And he doesn't really want to spend the time doing while he's trying to run a business here <laughs> right, uh, right? and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's all. Yeah. Uh, the the I, I was kind of the same way too, is that, you know, make make the most of your money. If you can do something yourself, do it yourself. But but I, I've, I guess, half second part of my life that I've been into here is that is the idea of when when somebody once told me like, how much do you get paid an hour at work, right? And then you know how many hours have you spent on X project? Mm -hmm. Would you say that 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 is the amount of money that you would pay a professional and have it done? You're like, oh man, that's right. Like that's actually when I took my thought process of my money being my time being money. Yeah. And what somebody else values, because I had a value, right? Like how much I'm worth. It's 
it's the kind of thing that you can um uh manipulate yourself right we people do this with money all the time i mean i was aware of myself doing it as far back as you know early college late high school going oh well this is the same as you know it's the old uh oh, cup yeah. of coffee a day kind of thing and i'm like yeah. oh michael this is the same as uh this soda that we buy from walmart every week mm-hmm. but i still buy yeah. that soda so it's not like a, a trade you know a sacrifice was being made of some kind um that's important that's there's, an important there's some it's limit like, to yeah. like you're not working all the time and if you're salaried there are hours that you can work and it doesn't and it doesn't matter but to to a certain extent it is valuable to look at those numbers and go uh you know a tradesperson doing this is going to charge me this much and hopefully if they're good they're going to get it done two to three times faster and so if you're paying them you know half of what you make an hour you're really spending a lot of your time you know to save whatever that that difference is right well you know especially with with new projects that i'm unfamiliar with some sometimes it's a it's an exciting thing to go forward and say i want to try this i want to do this and experience this you know when i did the floor in my sunroom i I enjoyed every minute of it i was doing something new it was tackling it was fun uh and then the thought of like doing the rest of my house was like oh man because there's so much that you come up to like how you have to stop and you have to think how am i going to do this corner how do I match up mm-hmm. this thing? You know, how do I do these edges? But when somebody who's a professional does it, they they don't even think they just know. They just have done it so much sure. so often that they're like, come up to the corner, you chop it like this, you hit this thing, go to the next, you, you use this tool to do that. And it's just the thing that they do. And of course, so, you, you also have to consider whether or not the the process or the result is going to be something that you'll enjoy. Right. If you enjoy doing right. it, then there's no reason to pay somebody else to do it if you're able. Right. Right. For sure. If it's if it's all, you know, if it's like if it's uh, a good example is like some kind of plumbing problem, like you're going to maybe crawl around in a basement and deal with pipes that have, you know, human waste in them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then at the end. Now your toilet flushes and doesn't overflow. You're like, right. how much of a sense of like victory and achievement is that going to give you? Maybe a lot. And maybe it's worth that. Like, maybe that's worth it to you. If it's not, if it's like you go through the, all of that and you're like, okay, cool. Now this does the thing that it's supposed to do. It's most basic expected function. Then, yeah, like call out a plumber to do that. And <laughs> have that done. Right. Yeah. Well, the I, I've got a, a couple things now that Sid's gone. I've I've been kind of putting putting off i guess is not the word but like i have been so busy and now as i started i was in the garage today i was thinking oh man i want to go hang that light i've got two lights that i want to hang mm. and, and redo those things and that's not much but now that i've got free time here and there right you know like an hour or whatever where i can just stop and put this down and not have to worry about going to guitar lessons or whatever right i can I can do that. And it's, and it's kind of an, that is that kind of a feeling of accomplishment. And, and I, I've already got the inkling of that feeling already. It's like, Oh, I want to put that up. And when Sid gets back, she'll have a whole bathroom redone and then the, the lights in the hallway and it'll be nice. It'll have a good feeling of like, you did a lot when really it's not a whole lot. I just needed the time and moment, you know, momentum to do that. But. Cool. Okay. Well, anyway, enough about all that. <laughs> we've talked 15 minutes about nothing. 
you know, that's well, that's happy stuff. It's good things. <laughs> did you watch hey, so, uh, Umbrella ahead. Academy? I did watch Umbrella Academy. That's uh, that was what's that on? Is that on Hulu? That's not on Netflix. Is it on Netflix? It's a Netflix original, I think. Oh, it is a Netflix. Okay, I, I could never tell which one was was on, but I did. I watched it about a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, it feels like forever. Ago, I finished but. it a little over a week ago. Let me. It wasn't as it wasn't very long. I mean, I, I feel I feel like I ten ripped episodes. through it pretty quickly. Ten episodes are they are they hour long? Uh, roughly, I think maybe a little okay, ish, a little shorter. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like something that's ten episodes an hour long is pretty quickly to go through. I'm, I, as we mentioned a couple last couple of weeks, I've been watching Deadwood, and I feel that I'm flying through that pretty quickly. Um, not as quickly as I could, but. <laughs> You know, it, there's only they're only like 13 episode seasons, an hour long, and there's three of them. So I feel yeah, like it's an HBO, so they're solid hour, and yeah, it's done. So you're getting them all at once. Yeah, and I'm feel, I'm feel, but I feel confident going through them. Like I'm I'm making progress through the season, as opposed to things that are you know 24 episodes. Yeah, and, long with a lot of filler and stuff. The only reason this show took me a while to watch is that I started it with a couple of my siblings, and we watched like. We watched one episode, and then later that day or the next day, we watched three or four in a row, and we were all like, okay, that's that's enough. We need to, to take a break. But it's not, you know, it's there's weird social dynamics because of the all of the people in the house where I'm staying, my siblings and my parents. Like, yep. my parents aren't going to watch this. So it's, yeah. you know, when when are they gone and all four of... Uh, three of my siblings and I are all here and available and awake to yeah. to to watch a show again. And so then, you know, a couple weeks go by and then, uh, you know, ne- ne- never get back to it. We ended up finishing it separately. We got as far as the episode that they reset time at the end. Mm. Uh, if you remember that. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. We, we we refer to it as the dancing in the moonlight episode. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because around the time that that scene happens, so spoilers for Netflix's Umbrella Academy. Around the time that scene happens where they're literally dancing in the moonlight to the song Dancing in the Moonlight, I was like, why is this show wasting our time? And then they get to the end of the episode and rewind back to the beginning. And I'm like, they're literally wasting our time. <laughs> right. Um, but everything mm-hmm. after that was good. I was like, okay, all right. Uh, my one, like, yeah. one biggest complaint that I always say when I'm talking about this show is that aside from Klaus and Vanya, so Klaus is okay. the Robert Sheehan character and mm-hmm. Ellen Page is Vanya, and, yep. and to a certain extent... Um, uh hazel which one's hazel uh the the guy the time assassin oh yeah okay um i like him he's the best part of it aside from those three i don't care about any of the other characters like okay the wait you said aside from those guys so you liked the the big like gorilla guy no those three are the ones i care about everybody else i'm like like the gorilla guy and his relationship with um Allison, yeah, is completely non interesting to me. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm a lot of that stuff. I'm I've also not been like a lot of that. I was not interested in. That's the one of the uh, 
was it critiques of that show yeah. is that um, uh, the characters are they feel like they should be interesting, mm-hmm. but I, I wonder if that's an acting thing. I wonder if it's that the actors aren't selling the the roles enough. I mean, I I, I only watched that show once and didn't think terribly much about it, but. I mean, um, I feel like some of them, especially the guy playing Diego and um, uh, Allison with her stuff with her daughter, like, I felt like they were emotionally invested in what their what their issues were. It was just, I don't know, maybe there were there were too many things going on with the story. I was like, get to the story. Like, right. I don't care about this, but, but this, but that made me after about halfway through, I started to realize, and maybe it was some of our friends who were talking about it was that this is kind of a soap opera, kind of a little bit. So all those drama things have to be in a soap opera, like, you know, the daughter and and things like that, I guess, but you're right. That, that feeling you had, your, your voice is giving and toning right now. What I had to is, like, <laughs> I guess I, I, it doesn't feel like it should be a soap opera, but that's what so much of it is that, you know, once you kind of realize that's what, what it is, you're like, okay, I guess this, you know, is there's, why this is in here. There's a thing that I notice. I'm also watching doom patrol, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago. That's a DC where this, this is unique. Is this, in a, I th- it's based on a comic book, but it's one of the like it is a it's comic book. Dark Horse or something. Yeah, it's probably one of those off-brand ones. Yeah. All right. That's. I don't mean. I'm not disparaging that. I don't. No, no, no. I not either. Yeah. No. Uh, no skin in that game as far as comic universes go. But um, Doom Patrol is a DC cyborg, is in it, and um, this might be a a attribute of comic adaptations in general but i think it's difficult it seems to be difficult to strike a balance between drama and comedy right like comics as a genre seem to walk this line to varying Mm -hmm. degrees of success i mean you have a character like spider-man who's constantly quipping and cracking wise while i don't know whatever guy in a robot rhino is trying to smash new york city or whatever like yeah sure it's like it has to be i feel like it has to be at least a little bit funny because and i've said this before on the show the world the comic book world is inherently a little bit silly yeah sure i mean right there's i said that in the second avengers right the whole the whole i'm a guy running around with a bow and there's robots right. spider-man is this here. is this young young adult man who's uh you know swinging around the city on magic spider thing and like spiders right. don't swing like that the way that he swings like tarzan but with instant vines wherever he wants to go and this you know <laughs> superman flies it's just all a little silly but obviously you want a story to have stakes right you want there to be yep some dramatic tension and so you create these situations i don't know i'm going way abstract with that um the reason i bring it up is because umbrella academy and doom patrol does this too it's the thing that we talk about in the mcu where um something really serious and significant and impactful happens like in guardians one where they 
you know, put aside their selfishness and stand together in yep. a circle. And moments afterward, Rocket is like, look at us, Gray. We're standing in a circle, a bunch of a-holes. Jackass. Right? It's like, right, yeah. it's like, bring it back. Like, don't you don't go full drama. Otherwise, you're right. the Fantastic Four movies. Right. And you're overboard. Or much. or Batman versus Superman. Would you say that, would you say Doom Patrol is better than um, the other one? Um, I will say, and I don't know if this might say more about me than about these properties, but for the most part, I, I care about all the characters in Doom Patrol. In, in Doom Patrol, okay. Like, they have their different, like, it's this kind of, um, it's even more so than this, because these are like, Umbrella Academy is this, like, it's almost like child actors, Right, they were big shots when they were right. young, and now they're trying to survive with those memories of what that was. Doom Patrol right. is more like a misfits kind of story where they have some kind of powers or sort of supernatural elements to them, but they either can't control them or they don't know how to deal with them. They're they're much more. Um, I don't know, dysfunctional, incompetent, or what kind of adjective I want to use to describe that. And that makes them a little more sympathetic. They're like, okay. oh, yeah, I see this kind of, like, cyborg shows up, and he's kind of obnoxious. But then you see that his stress is all to do with his relationship with his dad. Um, yeah. Which I don't know a lot about the cyborg character, but sure. um, what they've shown us in the series, it all, it all fits and plays together. But... Um. Yeah, it's just a it's just a tricky thing to balance. Doom Patrol does a lot of not a lot. They do just a little bit of fourth wall breaking. Um, oh, really? Okay. And it's mostly by the villain, who is Alan Tudyk, who is amazing, of course. Mm-hmm. Wash. Is uh, it is it him or is it his voice in some kind of robot or something? Because he does a lot of voiceover work. It's both. He's a sort of. He feels almost like a Q. Okay. Um, it's it's not really clear what he what he can and can't do. Um, but he does, and but it's it's Q in the sense of like, if Q knew that he was on a TV show, that's what I mean. Fourth wall breaking. Okay. And and this guy knows that he is on a TV show. I mean, that's those are the lines that he delivers, and they. They Kinda front like load Deadpool. like he's a lot. He's in a lot of the first two episodes. Like he narrates stuff, okay. um, and he does like the second episode. He's like, "Oh, hey, you're back. Let's see who's still stuck around after the gigantic donkey fart." And because oh, that's okay. the end of the first episode, and he's like, "Okay, cue the pretentious intro music." So he's, and then okay, and then you see very little of him until I'm getting close to the end of the series and he comes back and there's more of that. So it's not, it. it's not too much, right? It's kind of, it's kind of bookended to set the tone. Cause, cause there are these people and they're all, you know, have varying levels of psychological issues, mostly depression. By the way, that that's how 
in the comic books Deadpool is. I mean, he's he's not like every second talking about that he's a comic book character, but right. every once in a while he'll say things like, "Well, this is how comic book things work," and that's what you know, stuff like that. Um, it's not it's overt when it is, but then it's like most of the time he's not even thinking about that, which right. makes a lot of people love the Deadpool fourth wall breaking. Is he's just you know, like it sounds like here the guy's doing his normal stuff, but then by the way, also here's this. So, which is usually pretty fun. Uh, so I maybe I have to watch that one. I think that was one of my things that I thought that I needed to, to, uh, to watch and pick up. And ever since it was, I, hell, I've never, st- I've still not watched Titans. And that was a, a thing that came out. Oh, on DC, I didn't see that either. Yeah, I mean, I, it, they were selling the whole, you know, show or network based on Titans, and I figured that. I still haven't read reviews for it or anything. But, huh. Have you uh, have you been watching anything else besides Deadpool? I don't want to talk about Deadpool for the third week in a row. That's or you mean Deadwood? Deadwood, yeah. You said Deadpool right. so many times, you caught in my I, head. I, I, I did. Uh, De- Deadwood, no, that's really been my thing. I mean, okay. There's, uh, I'm. I used to get distracted by, and I do it with reading right now. Is that I'll have like mm. three or four books going at one time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or audiobooks the same kind of way uh but i i've i've started to to rein myself in and realize that i can't just be like a a dog chasing a squirrel i've got to i've got to focus on something and and get it through that's why a lot of times my picks of things to watch are things that aren't long commitments uh so that i could you know finish them and move on to the next so i'm really focusing on deadwood now and but i've got a list of things that i know that i i still want to watch there's that um netflix show um when they see us is what it's called like kind of a mini series thing mm. I, I, want, I think i, I watch saw that yeah i think i saw some ad not ads but you know netflix banners netflix for that. For yeah the the uh it's just been all in the news about the the central park five and i it, just because of that i've read about them in the news articles mm. and i'm like hmm that's that's really interesting and then it's like and this is what netflix's show is about i'm like oh well that's kind of an interesting thing to watch and I should watch that right on right on yeah I, I did watch well, I did get to go watch um Dark Phoenix last weekend and oh with uh with Sansa with Sansa right yeah yeah uh and she's well, about par for Sansa acting acting <laughs> in that movie I, you're now you're not a huge <laughs> X-Men uh fan right not really um I saw the first couple in theaters um there's at least now wait, a, first couple are you talking about X-Men first class series or no, no. prior to that? Back, like way back in uh you know, Patrick Stewart back that was I think I was in college when those came out, that first mm-hmm. one. That was the first right. one of like you could call that one of the original conversations that was the seed that became this ridiculous podcast is my college buddies who were uh, most of whom were engineering majors walking back from the theater going what superpower would you have? If you, you know, which, which yeah, you know, right. flight or invisibility kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And my one friend who was a, an electrical engineering major, he said it would be gravity, power over gravity. Right. It's like, because then you can fly like Magneto. You're not, yep. you're not crippled by a plastic prison. <laughs> uh, and you can, you can put a, you know, extra force behind your punches. I'm like, yeah, that's wreck a, anybody with gravity. That's a, right that's now. an engineer or or physicist's kind of answer. <laughs> that's right. Well, 
I, I will say that since you haven't really been a big person of this one, that you don't have to run out and watch this one. It, it's, it's an, anybody listening to this, by the way, I'll probably inadvertently spoil things about this movie. Um, it, it's an end cap to the, to the, the four movies, which were, uh, first class days of future past. Um, I don't know the, what was after that one. Um, whatever the, the, the X-Men ones. Oh, uh, age of apocalypse. And then, and now this one, uh, it's got all that kind of cast in it. A, a major character dies that's throughout the whole series. And you're like, eh. mm-hmm. when they died, which again, spoiler, it's mystique dies. Jennifer Lawrence's character. Okay. She dies uh, in the first act. And, and you really, I think that when I knew that, that this, I wasn't really into this series was when she died and I was like, eh, okay. You know, I mean, you just don't care too much about any of the characters and she's the most important, longest running main character of the whole series. And when she dies and you feel very not caring, you realize that, okay, this is run its course. <laughs> it's right? like, um, that's how I felt about walking dead. There's a yeah there's exactly a, yes an episode the spoilers I guess for Walking Dead if you were gonna watch that in heaven already right. um where uh the boy Coral Carl from the memes Coral, Coral yeah. uh yeah. shoots Shane the yeah. competing love interest for his mother and right. while watching that episode I was falling asleep and I don't. really fall asleep watching tv though i mean i'm sure it was very late but still i'm like oh this is a pivotal moment in the plot of this show and i am falling asleep i should probably quit watching this show yeah because i obviously don't care right so so with this dark phoenix I, i felt that i watched it knowing knowing confidently that this is the last one of these okay because because um Fox no longer has X-Men yeah, and the, Disney the does. They're going to be, yeah, they'll be completely redone with new, you know, takes and everything in the, the MCU, which I'm sure will be amazing and great. We'll be talking about in a decade from now, yeah. but, but, uh, you know, this was the cap. This is the last one. And I watched it. I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I'm done. <laughs> you know, and, and it was just, it was just confirmation that it was, it wasn't bad or terrible. There wasn't good. It wasn't, you know, it was just what it was. And Sansa's acting, that's a that's a perfect example of this this whole show was that it was about that par, her acting, mm. which is serviceable mm-hmm. but not spectacular. Right? Uh there are a couple things they did nice is that for some reason her hair was always kind of billowing when she once she had the dark phoenix power, it was always billowing. Oh, and I see what never, you're saying. You know, and it never looked fakeish because I've seen so many bad hair animations and i mean stuff. the yeah the cgi that we had in the early 2000s when the when the um femke jansen uh version of this story was told was not that right. great no not that great and uh well heck even now when they did like the medusa hair of whatever the the marvel show that they did recently um was really bad even today we don't get everything right you know obviously mm. it's the studios that do it and person works on it do you mean but, um, uh, Hella or no? It, um, Enchantress. The, it, it, there was a, there was a a very short Inhumans uh, Marvel TV series. Oh, t- yeah. Sometimes TV shows don't get the budget, right? I mean, there were points in Game of Thrones where they'd have the direwolves, and I'm like, yeah, that's a fake direwolf. 
I mean, I, I know that they're fake, but like it looks fake. It looks bad, right? Shark still um, looks fake. Yeah. Uh, so, so they they did a good job with that one, and and for for the most part, there was a couple cool, like it, you know what? As I was sitting in that show, and they did cool like Magneto scenes where he's like he pulls a helicopter out of the sky and he's shooting stuff across the with metal, and he pulls all the guns off the walls to shoot. I remember when I was younger, when that stuff happened and I was like, that is so cool. Like that is, I'm seeing this on a movie for the first time. And now it's superheroes are so commonplace that a guy coming up and grabbing a tank and throwing it isn't that big a deal. Right. It's just right. kind of, it's just a normal, Oh, this is super, superhero. All superheroes can do that. Right. Uh, so it's not, it's not as amazing as it once was. And that's, that's a little sad, I guess maybe they, I don't know if it was, it wasn't bad CGI or bad action. It just wasn't. It was the same old type thing, right? Sure. Magneto's doing Magneto things again. And, oh, look, there's... Or or the first time you saw Mystique, like, transform and shit. That, like, I don't know what's called, like, butterfly effect thing where, like, all folds down and stuff. She changes and shapeshifts. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's really cool. But when she does it in here, you don't even think about it. It's like, whatever, you know? Right. So... Which again makes me think like the show has run its course and there's nothing new that they're telling and um, yeah like which, you can't which, you can't float on special effects alone yeah and and so so this uh, as I was sitting in the theater and thing I was like you know I hate to say because X Men were always my favorite comic book growing up for the longest time and they still kind of hold a good spot in my heart I hate to say that like X Men are done they're just not interesting or, or whatever anymore. But I, I'm going to say that right now. Here is 2019, you know, June 24th. Note that I said that because I guarantee you in five years when, <laughs> you know, Disney gets hold of it and Marvel puts out their MCU versions, we're going to be like, why didn't they always do this before? Sure. You know, I think sure. that uh, as I was watching some cool like X-Men fight scenes in that movie, I was thinking, Feige's going to have to look at this these or the directors of the next ones and say, they're going to look at these X-Men movies and say, this wasn't enough, right? That just doing this stuff, which looks to be like exactly what you kind of want to see is not enough. We have to do better than that. What is better? Yeah. I mean, uh, some of that has to do with the way that culture shifts over time, right? Like when the original X-Men came out and when the first Spider-Man came out, they were right after or right around the same time as 9-11, which was a massive cultural event in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, impactful, I mean. Um, that's a poor word choice. But uh, you know what I mean? Like what people were looking for out of their entertainment was something different. It was more, you know, stuff had to be, you know, at least a little bit a patriotic in some way, a little more, um, it's hard for me to, to really describe because this, you know, it's coming to me, right. It's a feeling off, right. off the top of my head where now we're in an era of like stuff's not going so well. We got a big loud mouth buffoon as a president, you know, right. and people are looking for, um, more lighthearted, kind of escapism i mean almost all entertainment is some form of escapism if it's not you know something more like well uh, i guess that that shift is that that you want to sometimes sometimes in the world you want to go to the movies to escape and have something that's fantastic or and maybe it is the 
the world that we live in. You can go in and you want to have like, I just don't want things to be so real. And other times you want to be a part of the world. You want to be part of the, it's, everything's going so great. You want to be something in the world. You want to be a leader in right. superhero, making America great. And then you have somebody makes a little slogan out of it. And you're like, I know nothing to do with that. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's, there's just, you know, I get it. I get how there's different times in the world when, when people watch stuff. I think right. that when, when they looked at like Spider-Man, and they made they made the last one, Homecoming. They had to have watched the old ones and said, "Okay, this was good, but we have to be better, right?" They, they, yeah. They they had to do that with all that. What what is this missing that made it only so so? You know, like Spider Man Two or Spider Man Three or whatever. Andrew Garfield Spider Man is like, you know, this is a great story. We know we've got a great character and a great stuff. What what is it missing? And I think that's what they're going to do when they get this X Men thing. They're going to watch Dark Phoenix and they're going to say, "Okay." This is the story we told. This is a story we would have told. How would we have done it better? And how can we do it better? And I think they will. Who knows what, you know, Disney does their stuff or Marvel does their stuff. But all right. I, I um, can't resist. I can't resist doing this. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the timeline is for rights, uh, changing hands, etc. Mm-hmm. But if the MCU under Disney, um, MCU is not the organization, if Marvel Studios under disney um reboots x-men um who who would you want to see play somebody wolverine is is kind of a hard one but let's say hard because i think that they've already had the best wolverine even with the two timelines there's only one wolverine um and i think patrick stewart was the best professor x i mean yeah they did cast those guys well yeah, but I, I'm not if sure they were, about if they were doing it now, who who do you think you would you would want to see dream dream casting game? Uh, I, I that's a good question, but one I've not really thought of a lot. I, I think that the 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 couple clutch people that you have to cast right that have never been cast right. I think you have to cast a a, a good Cyclops, mm. um, because he's he's been poorly done, poorly represented, and he's yeah, the leader as, of the X Men. As I understand it, he's a he's a good compelling charismatic character in the comics but the his portrayal in the movies is just so flat and bland just a, a yes. cuck at all the time yes the whole time and at every time and i think that's the actors that they put in there they just mm. can't do the role right and the writing and not understanding stuff so i think that's that's the first thing whoever they pick they've got to get they got to get cyclops right because i mean he's the leader of the team and what they did is they put Wolverine in the leader of the team because Fox just said, Hey, he's popular. Let's make him the thing. And not, they didn't understand what made Wolverine popular. He's and, a team player. And, and Hugh Jackman is amazing. So Hugh Jackman is amazing. I mean, but watch Logan. Logan was not great because he was like getting everybody together. He's a jerk. That's a solo guy. And oh, does great right. By yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. Right. But the X-Men is a, movie about team and family and that's why x-men i mean wolverine in the comics was great because he's not that yet Mm -hmm. you could get a guy that has this like you know what i i'm a loner and i hate everybody but you know what this is kind of good And he's got that little soft spot you know that like right if you can even get so they miss the they miss a lot of that kind of stuff in these in these x-men movies um so it's not just it is casting but i think they need to get they need to get cyclops right is is the big thing uh if Professor X is going to be hard to top because I think both people did Professor X pretty well. I think Patrick Stewart was pretty great. Uh, and I actually think the new Magneto 
it was a compelling take on him. Uh, was that yeah, uh, Fassbender? Yes, Michael Fassbender was a good one. That was a totally different choice, and and uh, to have you know him play him and uh, yeah, and then also I, I've been a big thing with the MCU in general. They always, if you want to launch an X Men franchise, just like any franchise, I think you have to have a good villain. And I think Spider Man had a good villain. I thought the Vulture was surprisingly oh, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was a good, interesting, cool character, but had a there was cool kind they of had an interesting conversation on uh, on Geek Scholars this past week about mm-hmm. some of this stuff, talking about Spider Man and what they did their Never Tell Me the Odds game where Fox said, "What? Uh, oh, do right. you think they'll do the?" What are they called? They're the something six. Oh, the Sinister Six? Sinister Six. They're like yeah. Oscorp villains or something. I don't know. I'm not it's it's just it's just that. a group of villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um and they talked about that in the in the context well, of the, the, they, And I think tried... that the, that Marvel seems to since Robert Downey Jr. and maybe a handful of others, um they seem to pick up lesser known actors, right? Or, or actors who've done different kind of things because um, like Chris Evans, at least the stuff that he was known for was goofy comedy stuff. You know, he was the funny guy in fantastic four. Um, Yeah. And in all of his stuff. Yeah. And cap is not that guy. Right. Right. Um, I think in the consideration, they also had John, John Krasinski, who was also, I mean, He's sort of done a pivot with his career in stuff like Jack Ryan and uh, Quiet Place. But what he was known for before was, you know, TV, comedy, every man kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 it, or to say that point, um, the the pudgy comedy guy of um, Chris Pratt, Chris you know, Pratt, and you cast him for a leading role in kind of the same thing with Paul Rudd, but you know, like ten ish years older. Yeah, yeah. Same so, kind of transition. So, it, it so is, really, could be anybody. It is casting. I, I wonder. I wonder. I'd like to know. I'm interested to know how much like Feige or Marvel in general has say in like things like casting, because these are these are characters that are going to have to go across multiple movies with different movies, directors, right? Right. So, yeah. so when you when you hire a uh, 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 Black Widow character to be in Iron Man two the the powers of be at marvel would say well she's an avenger and we're going towards avengers stuff and we want some things and it's going to be beyond this one director in iron man 2 right do they have say in that casting do they talk about that casting i mean they have casting directors i don't know how much those positions change from movie to movie the way directors do yeah i mean like tom holland was cast as spider-man that means he has to be that spider-man is going to be in multiple movies and they get yeah. and marvel signs them for multiple movies they don't sign them to the same directors i mean he's he's transitioning the mcu right now that actor who we yeah. all two three years ago maybe more than that we saw pictures of him we're like how is this 12 year old kid gonna play spider-man yeah. what the heck yeah. is this and i mean he he inhabits that role so well i mean yeah just go back to uh, the end of Infinity War, or all of the what little he does in 
in Endgame is also excellent. Um, but, you know, he's doing this movie, which is the like, it's the transition. It's either it's either going to connect us to the next phase or it's going to be just a little bit. It's like the it's like the after credits scene for the whole first four phases. Right. Or three phases. Is it three? Yeah, I, I think whatever. I'm excited. I'm excited at Far From Home. Before we go into that, I wanted to say something about the, the casting you were talking about here. Hmm. Is that, is uh, of Tom Holland, is that, um, y- you know, it's been said a billion times, but when you put people in charge of, of making a thing who have a, a true love for a thing, a lot can be more accomplished. Or, or they're intimately familiar with a subject they're going to do a better job than somebody who's just hired to to do something off the cuff and i think of of um like ryan johnson with with star wars you know like oh i want to do my own kind of thing i want to do i'm a director and i do this kind of stuff which is great in their own right but when you have a pure passion for something you can make something totally better than than whatever and marvel has a passion for its characters i mean people who come to work at this comic book place don't expect to make millions and millions of dollars. They have a passion to draw Spider-Man and write Peter Parker and, and do these kind of things. So now that they're kind of in charge and they're the, the, the showrunners of these things, they get to come and say, they know who Peter Parker is. Right. And they know I want a guy who's a young guy who, you know, is confident in himself in his own comic book. Kind of but can lead in that way. Yet when he's put in crossovers, like all the other crossovers, Spider-Man is never the lead, you know, in the big events in the comic book, right. Spider-Man is right. Spider-Man is not leading the Avengers or the fantastic four Spider-Man. Although he's probably arguably the most famous Marvel character. He's always a secondary character because that's who Peter Parker is, right? He's just not a leader of men. And I just saw a little like snippet from a comic book the other day when, when he was, you know, kind of put in a position where he was supposed to step up and lead. And he's doing thought bubbles of like, how would these other people lead? Maybe that was, you saw that with our groups where like Captain America is like freedom with freedom and freedom. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was and, funny. Right. And that's what it is. It's like, he just doesn't, that's not his character. So when they cast this actor, you have somebody, they have to choose somebody who's a Peter Parker. Right. Who do, And you know, you can't cast somebody who's just young or somebody who just, you know, is a leader or is a leading man. They have to pick somebody who's going to, you know, fit into this whole tapestry of comic books in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what our buddy Trotsky said about um, Andrew Garfield. Like, I was excited about that reboot um, on the on the I don't know what adju- or what noun to use there, but on the the change of having um, Emma Stone be the love interest over Kirsten Dunst, because I don't mm-hmm. think Kirsten Dunst works in that right in that role. I don't care for her acting uh, anyway. And sure, or Buddy Trotsky was like, "This guy's too cool to be Peter Parker." I agree. Yeah, and I agree. I'm like, and and after I thought about that, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, he's right about that." My oldest daughter at the time, I think she was like 16 or something when she watched it, loved it because loved him because he's the cool guy. But he just was not Peter Parker, and and that's what sometimes they, they miss. And having having Marvel make this movie, that's what I go back to the Cyclops thing. It's like I think that these people will get hold of these characters and realize we're not trying to make a movie here. We're not trying to make a movie about mutants and uh, relations, racial relations in America. 
because that's kind of what <laughs> that's what X-Men is kind of yeah, um, yeah. an allegory for. It's a but, metaphor, right? Right. But they're what what they're doing is they're telling a story with these very thought out and expanded upon people. And then they put them in situations and they, they deal with that. So the the story kind of writes itself if you can get these characters right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I Marvel is going to do now. Okay. Moving back on to Spider-Man far from home real quick. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about, <laughs> I mean, cause well, obviously I think the biggest weight of this is exactly what you had said. This movie is about transitioning us. I think you just said that was that. Yeah. You know, Fo- we, Fox we, on we, geek scholars called it the after dinner mint of, uh, yeah, that's true. Of this you, you this need, MCU you need to phase. Have, it, it's neat. It, isn't it interesting that we have a movie to transition us to other movies? That's really so. Like you need to put a, a theory. I, I heard you like movies, so I put a movie in your movie. I put a movie in your movie, and that's what they're doing here. So that'll be probably the most interesting thing. Is like ha- he obviously Spider Man is going to be dealing with the loss of Iron Man, just like the audience is doing, and that's going to be a major part of watching this movie is helping us all cope with the loss of the past moving into the future. Sure. Which is so cool, right? That is such a cool thing that, that a movie or a series of movies can have such a cultural impact on people that you need to have a transitioning thing. Uh, That's super cool. I find that really neat, but the movie itself is going to deal with this uh, Mysterio character. His name is mm-hmm. Mysterio. And I, that's where I'm cautiously optimistic about. He looks neat. Jake Gyllenhaal was in talks for a long time with at this character. He wanted I to be I was going to say Gyllenhaal, MCU. but I, I always get him confused with the old Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Not Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Tobey Maguire. Right. <laughs> right, right. I was like, no, but, Gyllenhaal's not right. That's the That was the old Spider-Man. No, it's J- Jake Gyllenhaal. So J- I know Jake Gyllenhaal had wanted to be in the MCU for a long time. He was always waiting. By the way, it's it's neat to think about that actors these days are wanting to be part of this whole universe, but they're like very much biding their time because they sure. like that you if you get the wrong role and then they kill your character off, you could never be part of this again. Yeah, um, right. But if you get the right one, then you're part of the whole team and the, you're in the in club. Yeah, uh, then it's just there are always more movies. Yeah, and then you're just rolling in cash for the next twenty years. <laughs> um, and, and you have people like Robert Downey Jr. who have now made a legacy for all lifetime. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Hall wants to be part of this. He, 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 this is the role that he really talked with Feige about. He's excited about it. And, and they're doing a different thing with Mysterio that he's not just, by the way, he's a Spider-Man villain. I mean, that's a flat out thing. He's a villain in the comic books. Okay. And every trailer has shown us that this, that Spider-Man is working with Mysterio in this thing. So, I'm I'm worried that it's too on the nose. Like Mysterio is an act like in the comic books, he's an actor that puts holograms out fake hmm. things. Okay. That's his whole gimmick. I see. And, and you know, it's what are they like some sci-fi shows called like hard light holograms or something. Um, uh, right. Right. So photonic life forms. If you're yes, Star yeah, Trek. Exactly. So, I, it just feels too on the nose that this guy is clearly a bad guy and these things that you're he's fighting these elements and breaches from this other art fake things it just feels like this movie is written right like i've never seen a marvel movie from the trailers and know everything about it 
but this one feel mm. I, I feel that this one could be you know uh, i already knew what was going to happen in this i just had to watch it i see i see yeah so but but we'll, we'll, we'll see s- we'll see when yeah. that comes out right uh okay we got to talk about our movie but first yeah because we're talking so much about this spider-man thing and mm-hmm. and casting uh keanu reeves oh yeah okay if i th- i think it's rumored or confirmed or whatever that that he you know would love to be part of the mcu uh yep. let's let's keep it simple i'll do just a bit of the conversation they had on geek scholars which you should okay. go listen to um yep. hero or villain i i would love to see him as a hero that way he stays stays around for a while of course I mean, of course i like i like sebastian stan as um the winter soldier but he would have made a great winter soldier yeah, he would have. Yeah, he would have made a great Winter Soldier. Um, like, just, just charismatic enough because the Sebastian Stan's uh, uh, version. I mean, and I'm not familiar with that character, but he's just so bland. He is the way he's that fine. character's written. He's and serviceable. Like, yeah, right. But I think I think that Keanu could have elevated him to something more sure. amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean. It's hard to think. There's, I think he has to fit in the X Men somewhere. I, I do. He I feels think that, like a he feels like a street level character. Does he? Okay, that that be like a, be a Marvel Knights thing. I don't know what Marvel, Marvel has or, planned. Or X Men, like yeah. the X Men are all over the place. So they're everywhere. Yeah, they're even in space and stuff. It's a it's a big yeah. thing. I, I think I don't know what Marvel has plans for their street level Marvel Knights type stuff. I think, and I think that I think that just because. He's recently so associated with the cyberpunk genre, right? Mm-hmm. He's in that game coming out next year, uh, twenty seventy seven. Yeah, and and John Wick is amazing. John Wick. I mean, all of the one of the video game podcasts I listened to talked about all of the cyberpunk movies that he's done. He did um, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, mm-hmm. Matrix. Obviously, is maybe not obviously, but it's at least a little bit cyberpunk. Um, yeah, sure. A bunch of other things that I can't think of to name off because I haven't seen them. But uh. I think he does best, and people can send in message about this if they disagree. But I think he does best when he doesn't talk a lot, when he just has good. He has good screen presence, sure, and 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 just his emotes and his motions. Obviously, his fighting scenes are top in all the things he's been in, mm-hmm. but. But he, he he can say a small amount of things and be impactful. But when he, I could not see him, and he probably has a lot of movies that he speaks a whole ton, and I don't think that's his his deal. Right. He, he got up for E three for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I think that's what it was called. And and mm-hmm. he um he just barely said enough. He a just few words. said a couple things. Yeah. 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 And, Very and that was enough. Right. I mean, so, I'm not I'm not familiar enough with the canon to really say, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see him as a, maybe as a daredevil. Mm, maybe he's not. Too, he's maybe. too cool for daredevil. He's just too cool for daredevil. Okay, okay. The, the, what the, about? Is that a, a? No, that's a DC. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's the reason I say X Men is because there's so many to pick from, and and Marvel gets to cherry pick from thousands of characters and could say like, hey. Let's make these five, and three of them are unknown X Men, 
and make them something amazing. Could he right? be a Cyclops? Oh man, I don't think so. Just no. because I think I think he's a, he's one cool ass supporting character. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, we're, we're, I feel the same way about Wolverine. Like he's not. Yes. He's not rough enough to be Wolverine. Maybe he's not. Yeah, maybe. maybe some people have floated him as the new Wolverine, but I, I think we're such a great Wolverine now. I, I almost think that we need to have a Wolverine break if X Men comes out. It needs break, to be. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And they should do. I, I'd lo- I'm excited to see what they do about the X Men in the future. But it would be great if they did a slow burn of X Men, like mutants sure. one or two show up in different movies, and you know, then you have them kind of come together in a, a school or whatever it might be. Um, but not do an X Men movie. But I, I can't say Mar- Marvel's the best at this in the world. I would never want to second guess or, or tell them what they should do. Do you know uh, offhand if uh, the Deadpool movies are Marvel Studios? They are now. Yeah, they're Marvel Studios. Okay. Um, so the there's, process, there's potential there, although Deadpool is really different from the MCU. Right. Well, the, the, the discussion has come across in different circles. Mm-hmm. Is how Marvel will handle their future, or Disney Marvel thing will handle their future with their streaming services and such, because there's clearly some, they they're making a strong push initiative to Disney Plus with the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series and the right. Vision and Scarlet. They Witch. have their streaming service, so they yeah, they but have that. they're making like real miniseries TV movie things with these characters, with real actors that are from the movies. They're not just like. Oh, they're not really connected. They are. So I wonder if the the discussion is that that they also own a large stake in Hulu. So now that just happened is whether when Disney Plus launches, whether Disney starts launching Hulu originals as well and puts their more adult type things over there like Deadpool. I see. Or if they or if they bought the red line to dismantle it. Yeah, right. Too, that might be too deep of a cut. If they, that, they could if, be right. if they buy Hulu for the for the infrastructure and just roll it into their Disney Plus. They could. It's it's, it's weird. It, you know, they they've mentioned that they want to keep like the Deadpool and they want they like they recognize that Logan was massively successful and that they can do rated R things with the comic book stuff. But they've historically sep- kept those things under separate brands. Yes. Made so by different studios. If they do that, it could live in a Hulu environment and still be Marvel, but separate. Mm. Right? Um, I don't yeah. know if they'll ever we'll ever see Deadpool on the screen with the Avengers. I don't think that'll honestly I don't think that'll ever right. happen. Right. But I think that they will keep making Deadpool Deadpool content. Disney will do that. It's just how are they gonna do it, you know, going forward. Uh, it, which which will be great to see Deadpool come into the MCU, um, but not in the MCU because you know that that character will be commenting on the transition the whole time, <laughs> right? He'll be right. talking. Yeah, I'm sure he'll bring the light. Like these aren't the same X Men I knew or whatever. Yeah, well, you're, he you're does not that in, you're not in his Jackman. movie, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. So anyway, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say let's so let's go on to uh, this week's actual challenge we had a lot of stuff because that's a yeah cool we're gonna we, we we went all over the place with this but it's <laughs> summer that that happens right. uh so let's do this week's movie this 
So our 2020 challenge this week is uh, in honor of a movie that's launching or has launched at the time of this recording. Uh, Toy Story, the original Toy Story uh, by yep. Pixar. Um, John you know Lasseter, that was 1995. Oh, yeah. John Lasseter, one of my favorite people. Um, one of my favorite celebrities, I shouldn't say. I don't, I don't know him personally, clearly. But, yeah, uh, this is the original, uh, as far as I know, first ever feature-length, fully computer-animated movie. Took years and years to make, uh, partly because of the tech, and I think partly because of the story. Uh, at the top of this here, I want to recommend a documentary, which is a weird thing for me to say, but... Um, in 2007, they made a documentary called The Pixar Story, mm-hmm. uh, which it's 07, so it's a different tone, but um, it sort of outlines his Lassiter's history working for Disney and then getting let go. He was originally going to do um, Brave Little Toaster in CG, and okay. whoever on the board of directors was like, is it, is it going to be cheaper? And he was like, or is it going to be faster? And he was like, no, it'll be about the same, same amount of time, same amount of money. And the exec was like, well, well then why? And right. that's the that's the shorthand version of the story of how he left Disney, sort of formed Pixar, and uh, um, Steve Jobs just threw money at them for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a it was a losing investment for years, and then. Toy Story happened and they went through a span of because it's it's rare for something to succeed twice right like lightning strike twice or the sophomore effort whatever uh, um, metaphor you want to use for that Uh, yeah but they did Toy Story and then they did Bugs Life and then I don't know it's like monster Inc., finding nemo like they went a long time before making a movie that was not i don't even want to say bad but that a movie that was bad <laughs> right I don't, or it was mediocre at mediocre and i don't think it was even until like maybe cars 2 or something and that was right. like their sixth or seventh movie but anyway um it's pretty good you should you should check well, out. But so now that we we kind of highlighted the the guy here, which I think we just can't talk about this guy without talking about John Lasseter, which you mm-hmm. saying. I, I want to read a little bit, just like two three sentences from his Wikipedia thing. This is a weird okay. thing to say on our show, but it, <laughs> it, it states a lot in just his first couple of sentences. John Lasseter is an American animator, filmmaker, and former chief uh, creative officer of Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar, mm-hmm. and Disney Toon Studios. He was also the principal creative advisor for Walt Disney Imagineering. He began his career as an animator with the Walt Disney Company. Like, this guy is Disney. I mean, he is the creative force of incredible animated and cartoon things in the world. He Uh, worked for Disney. They parted ways when he wanted to focus on CG. He ran Pixar, for, or not ran, but right, was... CEO or creative leader, whatever at Pixar for years, and then when Pixar merged back into Disney or was acquired or whatever, um, he was given that title of lead animator or mm-hmm. chief animator, whatever the actual title is. Um, and so then he was he was head over all of it. Yeah, 
fairly yeah, fairly I mean, impressive he, career. Well, I mean, I, I always I'm I'm one of those people that say that that Alan Menken is one of the reasons that the the 80s and 90s Disney movies have done so well and still continue to do well because he's an incredible um, composer and does tons of incredible songs and pieces and scores. Well, Lasseter is, I think, the the reason that Pixar has done so amazing. And it might have been in that documentary, too, that you're talking about where Lasseter sits, sits, says he mentions he sits down with several other big named people in a coffee shop and they decided to brainstorm sessions and they wrote stuff literally on napkins about <laughs> ideas. And it yeah. went all the way. Maybe this was in the Wally extras or something where he they, they mentioned Toy Story and they mentioned Cars and they mentioned Bugs Life and they. And they, they, they continue to roll down the hits. And, they, they, and the last one we did was this little uh, compactor robot on Earth and, you know, working his little way out. And that was Wally. And they made the last one, which was Wally, on that napkin that she still had. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, man, that, that was him and these brainstorming people made these hit back to back to back to back hits all on these kind of ideas. Um, and... So that brings us back to Toy Story, which we watched. And to say it's a classic is shorting it because um, I really do think that this is it was so fun to watch again. And I've watched it a million times. Right. But, you know, to see kind of every Toy Story comes out and they kind of have new characters and the old ones are still around. But you each Toy Story kind of gets their highlight of the characters. And I think this one is highlights buzz. And who who is one of our the main character of the toy story, but never like he has been in this one. Right. He's never been as main central character as he is in this one. And, and it was just, I mean, it's, it's, it's a joy kind of to watch it. It makes me feel like a, a kid again, every time I watch it and the happiness yeah, of it. I, I think I said this recently, but um, this movie came out in 95. Uh, I would have been 14, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just just a little bit outside of the age range, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit old for it. But as I said, I have a bunch of younger siblings, and we had one TV. And so we watched this a lot. Um, sure. I've seen this one dozens, if not hundreds of times. I've seen the second and third ones probably not more than once, like once or twice. Maybe I think I think the third one is very close to what I might consider a perfect movie. I almost texted you a couple days ago to say, what if we watch part three instead? But then changed my mind, because, of course, this is the first one. Like it's significant in that in that uh, in that place. In I mean, history. It is a bucket list movie. You have to watch if you have to watch any of the Toy Story movies, watch the first one. <laughs> right, no. right, right. Um, but. But the I third have... one is like a perfect movie. I mean, it has it. No other movie wraps up a series hmm. more perfectly, and every scene is so good and so great. Uh, and 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 then I don't know. Just it's a it's a perfect movie in everything. I, I was amazed that they did like most people that did Toy Story four. The reviews are coming back that Toy Story four is really great and was a good justification for it. But um, I'll go watch that probably next week and and report back but so i haven't seen this in probably 15 years at least oh, well. right, you watch it hundreds of times and you still haven't watched it in 15 right years. but like you watched hundreds it of times, a lot in like five years didn't you <laughs> all in that all in that time when, well i mean yeah when 
uh, you know, there's only one TV and you got to keep yep. the young kids entertained. I was homeschooled. So like while the right. older kids are doing school and dad's at work, you got to keep the younger kids occupied, put on Toy Story again. Or That's right. That, they can that list it of, times. it's like Toy Story, 101 Dalmatians, uh, Beauty and the Beast, all that. I mean, 101 Dalmatians is older, but stuff that was in that mid 90s late 90s uh era and then once i went to college and stuff i you know i obviously wasn't re-watching it hanging out with my buddies in college their their movie was uh um emperor's new groove but which i know you don't like so we, we won't we won't get into that um it was interesting <laughs> for me to watch this now as an adult knowing actors knowing different people the the writing credits on this movie are kind of crazy um joss whedon is credited on the screenplay okay uh joel cohen um i believe that's one of the cohen brothers it is one of the cohen brothers right um obviously john lasseter um in that documentary that i mentioned earlier they talk about how they got to a point in the production of this movie where the story wasn't working. The character of Woody was really just kind of an ass. And they, and I think they like almost went all the way back to the drawing board and were like, we've got to, we've got to change this because this is not, nobody's going to want to watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got the, the actors. I'm not super familiar with, um, with Don Rickles' work, but of course, classic comedian, uh, Silver Age or whatever. Um, Wallace Shawn as as the T-Rex. That's uh, Vincini from Princess Bride. Oh, really? Okay. Right? Yeah. You kind of hear it in, in some of his voice. It's a different kind of character, but he has a pretty distinct voice. Obviously, last week we talked about um, John Ratzenberger, who was on Cheers. Yep. He's in every one. Right. Um the the guy who plays the Sarge sergeant, the army man, plastic yep. army man, yep. is the guy from uh a full metal jacket, right? Oh yeah, Lee Army. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. Lee Army. Our Lee Army, yeah. Um And so and so all of that stuff was interesting to me. I think I caught more of the um more of the parent jokes in this <laughs> okay. than than I ever did watching it as a teenager. Yeah. Um, have you ever had this thing where it only happens in a, in something that's recorded, right? Like a, a I'm going to say cassette, audio cassette, like an audio recording or a movie or a song, like a um, the album version of a song. Um, okay. You hear something something pronounced in a strange way or okay. maybe not even a strange way and you translate it into some nonsense word. Okay. Right. Um, I saw this recently on a tweet where somebody was saying the, uh, there's a, um, shoot, what song is it? It's one of the Michael Jackson songs. And he says, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Okay. And they're like, you know, I was today years old when I realized that he says, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm not going to stop. Instead of mama say, mama sama, not stop. Like just sounds, <laughs> right? Nonsense, like scat sounds. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there there are a couple of those 
in this movie. Um, one of my sisters for years would um, use the word Bavis, like B-O-V-I-S. Okay. And I'm like, just as like a casual, like dude kind of throwaway word. And I'm yeah. like, what are you, what are you saying? She's like, it's from Toy Story. And when he's, Bavis. when Woody says, you know, oh, Bavis, you had a big fall. You, you, you're not thinking clearly. And I'm like, he's saying buzz. The one of those for me that I don't know that I ever noticed before is when they get uh, picked up by the claw machine and mm-hmm. all the little rubber things are, are um, Woody calls them zealots. Okay. It's like, get off of me, you zealots. <laughs> right. You know, when, when I was, when I was 14, 15 or whatever, like that was just a nonsense word, like zealots or something. Yeah, right. Like, you didn't I didn't know what zealots I didn't know were. what a zealot was. So yeah, I hadn't played Starcraft one yet. And, uh... <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the, it, it is fun watching these, I guess, quote unquote, kid shows as an adult and, and as a, a guy having a kid, having two girls and going to, to, to movies that are kid movies aimed towards kids. It's, it's great watching shows and knowing that there's nods and winks to the parents in the audience, you know, for, for whatever you're watching. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes like the secret life of pets or the secret life of pets too, or something, they'll put on a, like a, a Bon Jovi song or a, uh, um, Black Sabbath song. And, and you're like, Oh, this song is about X and you know what it is, but the kids never get that. Or they have right. no idea what, what it is, but you know, like, Oh, this, that's the joke. Right. Um, a couple of those that I caught, um, when their house sells, the the real estate sign says virtual realty. Yeah. Right. And it's like the 3D VR, right? Kind of like virtual reality. Right. Right. Just virtual add that I in there. Reality. Or um, when they're at the gas station and Buzz is having this existential crisis, yeah. right? He's like somewhere out there. Zerg is building a weapon with the power to destroy entire planets. And I have the plans that contain the weapon's only weakness. And I'm like, oh, well, that's clearly Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> and then yeah. he, he does the like, uh, you know, you're a sad, strange little man. You have <laughs> so farewell. Funny. When he says farewell, he does the Vulcan salute. He like, does. That's <laughs> that's that's just for the parents. Like there are no kids right. watching this that are going to get that. Uh, get that reference you know when when i watch the uh the the um behind the scenes or the making of of uh spider-man uh was into into dark is it's the one re- recently the not into that's dark. star trek no yeah so this you got me star trek spider-man it's the the one just recently with miles uh homecoming it. oh no. oh into the spider-verse into the spider-verse so uh i watched the making of that one and they were talking about how animators when when they're making these things they put in hundreds of little references that you barely see on signs in the background and stuff right and and that's what in these animated shows these are people who are looking frame for frame yeah on every little thing and they will put things on tires on like you said vr realty signs and there was a point when when woody's doing his his meeting right his Mm -hmm. staff meeting right early on about the moving buddies and all that with the birthday party yep yep He's standing in front of a bookshelf, and I'm looking at that bookshelf, and I'm like, I bet there are a bunch of Easter eggs. And I see, right. like, one of the books, I forget its title, but the author says uh, Lassiter. And I'm like, oh, oh is, 
is that a book he wrote is that some other kind of joke some some short animated short that he made before it's like you know all of that yeah when you're going frame by frame you have all kinds of time that you're thinking of that the person watching the movie is never going to see because it flashes by in a second but but they love it like again in that that how does how uh you know how how they made it video the the um writers and directors were like well anytime they could put anything he says they said how many how many of these easter eggs are in the movie and they're like we can't count there's it's literally you can't count because there's so many people animating so every little part that they will we tell them you know we draw on the on the board on the storyboard of like it's a city and a, they're going on a car chase and the animator draws everything in the background right they yeah. just fill it all in and if they put in every little thing they put it in because they're also fans of the source material or whatever. So- I mean, that that takes me back to when we watched Back to the Future. And I noticed for the first time watching this most recently um, that there are all of these shops and buildings, right, in Hill yep. Valley when they're doing, you know, a pan around. Oh, yeah. They're all, yeah. You know, in 1985, they're like run down. The old theater is turned into some kind of church and this and this. And then when he goes back to 55... That theater is still a theater and all of those rundown places that are like, you know, the alternate reality version of Bedford Falls, you know, all like uh, strip clubs and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still nice and clean and, you know, it's, it, you know, uh, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And that's a physical movie like Zemeckis yeah. or whoever had to had to set all that up in animation. Somebody just has to have an idea and get it past you know, the director or whoever. Right. And, and a lot of times, you know, the directors are seeing these things. They're not looking frame by frame either. And right. In, in this into the spider verse was the same kind of thing that said that we don't know because there's so many put in there. I mean, we talk about things or there's always famous things on the internet about like, Oh, did you see where they put that phallic symbol <laughs> in that thing? You're like, okay, maybe, maybe but there's no way that people can catch every little thing. That's kind of an animator puts in every little niche nook and cranny. But yeah. Um, but the Toy Story, Toy Story was great because just in its very nature with the large cast of toys is a whole Easter egg in itself, like Mr. Spell and the Slinky Dog. And the, I noticed the, that, too. A lot of like, you know, iconic. I mean, to me, they're iconic because of this movie. But if you're, you know, if you were a middle aged parent in 95, you would probably recognize the the slinky dog and oh, yeah. you know and, and obviously ex- the everything with easter eggs pull pull string woody toy i noticed and the, and the, the army guys the army guys are great like i remember watching some making of short or something way back in the day how they like they had guys you know they put attach their feet with two by fours or something to see how they would move when they walked <laughs> if they walked right. with their feet connected on a little thing like that Right. Um, all of that was really good. I was somewhat amused by the uh, the stuff with Bo Peep and a couple of the other jokes between um, Buzz and Woody that were a little bit adult. Yeah, yeah. But they're vague and oblique enough that, like, this movie has a G rating. Right, right. And, like, um, what is she um Bo Peep is like, uh, why don't I get somebody else to watch the sheep tonight? 
Right. And I'm and like, he, oh, that's so all, like, very obvious to us. Yeah. But like a six year old watching this movie is not going to catch, you know, think anything of that. Right. And those little things lead into like the the Bo Peep. I guess we're gonna have in this this next movie. But um, oh right, yeah, because because she's been missing from the rest of the, the stuff. But hmm. yeah, I, th- this this is a a great movie. Uh, when we talk about bucket list movies, this is one that definitely belongs on it. I, it's just heartwarming all the way through. Sid the villain is a great villain. Zerg <laughs> is a great villain. The you're my father type thing was, you know. That's in the second one, but you know, right. the, it's it's the whole series grows so well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I love it. It's so good. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm glad I was watching this because because a lot of times when I was going back on this, when I was thinking, oh, I I thought this movie. A lot of the movies run together, like Toy Story one and two. And and when I watched this one, I was like, oh, oh. yeah, this is this is just here, and they end with still with Andy's toys, and it's just about that. And and uh, the um, what is it? The uh, the horse, you know, is is not even in it. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. 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 But I, I, for some reason, had in my mind that they that they were in the other ones, right? that he was in those things. Like, oh yeah, that doesn't happen until two, or you know, the 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 store the the store that they go to is not until two. And Al's um, Toy Barn. Al's Toy Barn. Right. There, there's it's just, in the ad. It's in the it's Buzz Lightyear ad. It's in the back. And then oh, that's, I remember being that's another scared. joke. He's he's uh, doing the tea party, and he's like, "You're sucking down Darjeeling with Marie Antoinette and her little sister." I'm like, <laughs> there are no kids are going to know what Darjeeling is, who Marie Antoinette is, or <laughs> her sister. Like, right. It's so obscure. Hey, by the way, I I heard an interview on NPR driving home one day this last week about how. The guy who sings uh, "You Got a Friend in Me," Randy he, Newman. He, yeah, he does does the whole sc- score for all of those Toy Story movies. Like he's the composer for it. Really? Yeah, I was like, I just thought they were interviewing the guy that sang the song, but he he was involved in the whole thing. I knew he wrote those songs. There's just a little bit when right before Buzz gets knocked out the window. Mm-hmm. There, there's some of those things too where I'm like, oh, you're calling back to some Disney properties um, because it's this was made by Pixar, but Disney contracted them or something. Right. It's, it's right. complicated, but um, because um, oh, shoot, Woody drives the car and it knocks over the pin board and the globe starts rolling. So the globe is rolling toward Buzz, and he's running, and there's just a little bit of the Indiana Jones melody <laughs> in, there. in there. I'm like, oh, that's what they're doing. It's a, it's a very subtle, because right. that thing running from the rolling ball has been par- parodied in so many different ways. Of course, in much less subtle ways. Well, I think I think the uh, the composer when he was talking about these things, he was uh, very much like. I mean, it's it's so much how he was thinking about all of the stuff, like all those kind of things. He he was saying, you know, when when toys move, the music needs to move. So and then they played a little thing. It's like do 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 do. Like that's when the army guys were moving because that's how they move. Mm-hmm. So I made the sound sound like that. So yeah. a lot of the times, these really good composers will think of things like this is the ball rolling. I would need to do a little bit of homage to the Indiana Jones music or what it might be. They say this is the first, although this is not technically a Disney movie. Um, this is the first Disney 
movie sort of musical. It's not even really a musical. But in all the movies before this, the characters would sing. Yeah. But the characters in this don't sing. Randy Newman sings while stuff's happening. Yes. Um, right. it, which is a, different. You, you got a friend in me, right? Instead of them. Any, no one sings it in any of the things. No, none, none of those characters sing, right? No. I don't. Uh, no, the the oh, girl no. the girl sings. No, she doesn't sing. I was just because I think that's one of the greatest, you know. Oh, songs she of does this. the thing, and uh, it's like she, Sarah, yeah, Sarah McLaughlin or somebody yeah. sings for, for her. Yeah, yeah Sarah I mean McLaughlin that's sings it. that's exactly what Randy Newman does in this in this first movie. It's you know you've got a friend in me. It's a story of Woody's relationship with um, Andy, and then the strange things are happening. That's again, Woody's. And then the third one, um, uh, shoot, what's it called? It's anyway, it's from Buzz's perspective, you know? Yeah. He's, Oh, I will go sailing no more. Oh, right. 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 It's his, like his final turn into depression, which, which, the fact that like he's written three perfect songs for these movies and that was that was uh, they mentioned that a little bit they're like the person who was interviewing him had mentioned that he wrote another perfect song for the fourth one um, which i'm mm. e- eager to hear but they were like how do you strike gold every single time you make one of these things which he does like right he's All right they're so perfect because I, I you got a friend of me is iconic but then you know um the one where she loses, um, you know, her her owner. When somebody loved me. When somebody loves me is like so heart touching when it's played, and then same with the, I will go sailing is oh man, it's so perfect. Um, I think yeah. there's a there's an anecdote in that documentary where either Tim Allen or Tom Hanks, like they went and watched that watched the movie or at least saw that scene because of course they're doing voice work like they're not seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the finished product and they're like you know both both crying in the theater or whatever however <laughs> that story goes but uh, I, that's got to be it that's got to be such an experience that you know the whole story you've read the whole lines but you never hear anyone else or see the things put together and then you go down and sit there and watch it and it's your lines that you said but you know nothing right well it's yeah an and there's the whole like I don't know how true this is. I didn't research it or anything, but there was a meme going or not meme, but a thing going around a couple of weeks ago about how they filmed for Endgame. They filmed the funeral scene and didn't tell Tom Holland what it was. Right. They because said it was, a lot of people they didn't. I guess they, it, they, it was early enough in advance. And they're so like the the spoiler economy is so tight um, that they filmed this scene and they're like, oh, it's it's going to be this. But they don't, be a wedding, you know, is what said, for the yeah. actors, they're just standing there. And, a, you know, the joke is that they told Tom Holland it was a wedding. And so he's smiling in, in this shot, whether that's photoshopped or I don't know. But, right. um, you know, so for the they're like, you made this thing. Uh, my brother, Andrew, has been watching that um, that cooking show with Kevin Feige. And they had they have some of the actors from the MCU on there. And. They had Gwyneth Paltrow on, and she couldn't. She didn't know as readily as a fan would know which movies she's in. Right, right. They're like, they're like, oh, in that Spider-Man movie, and she's like, I wasn't in a Spider-Man movie. 
And they're like, right. yeah, you were. You did a thing where you come out and you're like, maybe I got the rings. And she's like, oh, that was a Spider-Man movie? Right. I guess it was. Because, like, <laughs> Tom Holland isn't in that scene. <laughs> right? right? It's like she's in one scene in that whole movie. Uh, okay. And, and so, Robert Downey you know, Jr. was in it. That was it. Right. He was. Right. He had much more uh, 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 screen time. Right. And she, she, she would think, well, with her... And she, of course, she could think that she's going down there for an hour and talking to Robert Downey Jr. This must be Iron Man. It's just another Iron Man movie. Um, There's a good uh, clip from the Graham Norton show with Tom Hanks and Tom Holland, where Tom Hanks talks about doing voice work uh, in particular for this for this Toy Story franchise. It's pretty good. I'll link it in the show notes. It is. is Uh, Okay. Final judgments. I mean, yep. If you. I I can't, you know, sort of the opposite of the Goonies scenario. I can't disassociate this from having seen it in my youth. Uh, yeah, this is definitely worth seeing at least once. It if you if you have kids, um, it holds up. There's nothing really like um, a like like time period identifying about it. The animation is still is still good like it doesn't it doesn't look amazing but even when you see like the kids like there's not a lot of people in this because of course very early in the world of cg it doesn't look like you know you go back and watch claymation stuff or whatever like it still looks pretty good right um i mean it won't it you know the animation won't hold up to like uh inside out or something brand new but um it doesn't look dated in that regard. No, it, uh, it really doesn't. And and I I I would say that this isn't one of those ones that are period specific or time of your life specific. I think that you can watch this one as an adult and again, maybe I'm mixing all three movies into one, but um, hmm. the, I mean, these stories of these characters are great. Everyone has had a childhood, hopefully with some toys in it. <laughs> and you know i i hope if you well, had that right that's part of it too like like unless you're unless you've been unfortunate enough to have some really really horrific childhood which i'm sorry yes uh like it's not you know his his two toys are an old pull string cowboy and a and a fairly basic action figure like it's not it's a little, you know, straight middle class, but it it covers a pretty wide range of socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah, right. I uh, mean, it seems you, that way had, to me. If anyway, if you had plastic army men, you can <laughs> right, get for a dollar, then it's it's interesting. So yeah, the, I I think I I put this one as a bucket list movie. I think that you should watch it. It's a good, it's a good movie in the 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 in cinema. It's just a good one in your life to, yeah. to watch and, and feel a lot of stuff about all the time. And the, the acting is great. The writing is great. The, the storyline itself is great. And it has, and it transcends more than just a kid's story. It's friendship and where, what your purpose is in life type things and where, how yeah. you can change. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely good. put this as a bucket list. You good should stuff. watch it once. Good stuff. Okay. Or, um, would you say you could watch it many times for over and over and over or? Just at least once. I mean, I don't know if as an adult, as a childless adult, unlike two, three weeks ago, I said 
parentless adult. I do have mm-hmm. parents. <laughs> I don't uh, I'm not Batman. Right. Um, Bruce Wayne. Right. I don't know if without kids you would watch it repeatedly, but uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know, if you're in the mood for this kind of thing, even without kids, you should watch it once. Yeah, for sure. I agree. All right. Next next week, what do we got? As we next week, let's show. let's swing full the other way. I know that you are in your house alone, and you can watch movies with uh, the language, as Cap would say, <laughs> um, right. freely in your in your living room. Let's uh, let's skip ahead and watch Big Lebowski. Oh man, I love that show. Okay, this is going to be an interesting thing because every time I watch this show, not only do I catch more, I become enamored with new scenes that I like even mm. more. So. Uh, this is this is Very an interesting show. this will be a great little review next week to to, to think about what this I is a got movie i've more. seen it at least a couple times but it's been it's been at least five years since i saw it last well so. we did have it on in the background at, at icg con like a couple times did right we? i don't remember we that. did because every time we were playing a lot of movies of, went on those TVs, a lot of movies but we were in the downstairs i know that a lot of people were playing games and then randomly they would shout out Lebowski quotes as he was saying them on the, on the it's just like your opinion. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I, that uh, I did that uh, for Halloween one year back when I still had long hair. Oh, really? I just bought a bathrobe, right? (laughs) That's right. For the dude. Went to, went to a house party in pajamas. Right. And and Thor's the new Lebowski. So yeah. Fat Thor. Fat Thor. It's funny. Okay, cool. All right, good that's stuff. good. We got we got a, a lot this week. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see try to see Toy Story this week. You should you should go and see that one. I think I think I am too. And also, Rocket Man is gonna be in the theater for like four days before uh, before Far From Home. So, oh, Far From Home is that this week? Because that's a priority. It's this week or next week? I think it's next week. That's probably going to be an opening night thing for me. Stay up late and, mm. and go watch watch that right show. On. Right Yesterday on. comes up, by the way. That's the uh, the Beatles one. Oh yeah, jeez. Right. That's why Rocketman is only in my two screen theater for like three days because there, there's it's summer blockbuster time. It is. It's 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 almost sad that we get so much in the summer that we can watch that it it's not more spread out in the year. But I understand markets and stuff. But you have stuff like that and. Um, the Lion King coming up and you know, yeah, that's like mid July. Yeah, yeah. There's a new, I mean, we went through this whole drought of spring, you know, not a lot of great stuff. And then it's all, you know, in summer. Cause that's people are on vacation. Kids are out of school. That's yeah. Just how you can actually get out and do stuff. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of good movies happening in the next several months. Like we're lucky to have every year. So um, anyway, what toy story for sure. Yeah, yep. good stuff. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode ninety-six. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. I mentioned their show a couple times. Mm-hmm. They talked about Marvel, Keanu casting Spider-Man stuff Spider-Man. recently in their most recent episode. You should check them out. It's uh, much more concise than we are. Uh, if you enjoy Star Trek role playing or Star Trek role playing, check out our other show, Klingons Dragons. It's not safe for work. If you have questions or comments on the show, you can tell us. All the things we're wrong about casting the new X-Men or if you, for some reason, don't like Toy Story. Yeah, send, send email us the X-Men casting. That, that would be good. <laughs> at, uh, yeah, frontporchpod at gmail.com. 
If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms if you don't like direct email. Uh, we got the schedule for the 100 movies. That's still kind of a mess. I'll get that taken care of this week. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. If you find a place where podcasts are found and we're not on there, let us know so I can get that fixed. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.